Thanks. It's good to be back again with you all. And uh, uh, I like to, t- every time my, my wife and Jennifer and I walk in here uh, 30 years ago, we were missionaries in the, in the Middle East. And our, uh, I think our second Sunday back in the United States in, in the, the sum- late summer of uh, 1985, we walked into this room here and uh, began our journey in and living here in Northern Virginia at Frost Elementary and have so many wonderful memories of uh, serving and loving and getting to know Jesus better, literally, in this room until we, uh, we grew out of this uh, uh, building and then went to uh, Robinson uh, High School and their, their auditorium, and, and, uh, and the story continues. But um, I thought it would be appropriate on... <clears throat> January 1st, New Year's resolutions, just to, and I know Justin told me that next week he's going to be speaking a little bit about Bible reading and the importance of that, and just a reminder, this is a one resolution you really want to try, uh, by God's grace, to keep, to read your Bible every day. And for those of you here this morning, if you've gotten out of the habit of, of, of reading your Bible every day, you know, it's a, today's a good day to just take some action, figure out how can I get back into that routine of allowing God to address me and to encourage me and to remind me through this amazing, amazing book that he's given to us in, in our Bibles or on for you young people on your phone. Um, and I had to tell a story as I was thinking, you know, just to encourage everybody, first of the year, read your Bible um, I was kind of stuck uh, last uh, last year. I just mentioned recently retired, and there was just a couple weeks where I was really having a hard time. I was a little, a little, or maybe a lot depressed. I'm not sure. I was feeling a little lost. Like, where am I now? I'm retired. I'm no longer serving as a pastor. I got a number of things going on, but just kind of felt disconnected and a little lost. And I was reading my Bible fairly faithful, I don't know, every day, but still reading my Bible every day, but you know, sometimes you read your Bible, like the, there's words on the page, but it's just not having its, its effect. But a, a good friend of mine, a brother in the Lord, came uh, weekly for uh, just a uh, couple months, and every week he would come over, and we would just pick a chapter in the Bible, and we would read it together. And, and as I look back to uh, having kind of fallen or climbed into a pit, I don't know how I got there, but it was by uh, God's word and, and, and just uh, focusing on it and with another brother. So if you're in that place today where you just like, if your weekly average over the last six months is like less than one, you know, one day a week reading your Bible, maybe grab someone that you're here with this morning or a brother or sister in the Lord and just say, can we get together this week and just read our Bible so you can get back into that routine? This is so important for for our our souls and for our life as Christians. So that's my uh, encouragement and exhortation for your uh, New Year's resolution. If you got one, want to make one, try and keep it this year, uh, read your Bible every day. <clears throat> you know, I, I went to the first um, Star Wars movie back in the 80s. Um, and I'm not a Star Wars fan. I fell asleep in the first Star Wars my wife and I, we drove to Haifa, Israel, to a movie theater, and went there, and in the middle of the movie, I just 
I fell asleep. It, it, not a Star Wars guy. But I grew up on Star Trek, and there was this guy named Scotty. Anybody know about Scotty? Scotty was the guy that when Captain Kirk needed to be beamed up, uh, he'd say, Scotty, beam me up. And Scotty would beam him to some other location. And then when he, Captain Kirk and the other guys f- did their good deeds, then he would beam them back. And there was always this you know, tension between these two getting back to the Starship Enterprise. And, and uh, hopefully Scotty would get down to the room where he had to push the button and they would... They would come and go. So um, it's been a long time since I've seen tar- Star Trek. But I was like, you know, the new Star Trek movie, um, um, Star Wars. I'm like, nah, I'm not a Star Wars guy. <laughs> and, and that's a, a, a picture, though, of, you know, the fact that for us as Christians in my message this morning, from, and you can open your Bibles to First Peter chapter 1, because this idea of sort of, Living in between two places is really um, uh, a, a good picture for us of how we're to live our Christian lives. And Peter, writing to these first century Christians, um, um, had this in mind to remind them and help them to see, um, you know, wh- what how they should think about wh- where where they live. Um, we're going to read the entire chapter of 1 Peter this morning. It's, it's such a good friend of mine, uh, this, uh, these 25 verses um, have, are, are really my uh, kind of a, a lifelong friend, and um, I hope um, it, they'll whet your appetite to make uh, this whole book, but especially this first chapter, um, it'll... Uh, I have the, the title to the message this morning is The Call to Action, but by the time I got closer to Sunday, I don't really like my title anymore. So I'm sorry about that. I think, if, I think it may be in the bulletin, A Call to Action. But I think um, maybe a better title would be Elect Exiles, um, our, our Temporary Residents Here on This Earth. But let's um, read First Peter chapter 1 together as God's people as we open up God's Word We pray, Lord, that you would attend to your word, attend to our hearts and minds, and help us to know and to love Jesus better through our time this morning in your word. Amen. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, as was necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it's 
tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, in glory, in honor. On that day, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you've not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that's imperishable, uh, inexpressible, and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each man's deeds, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you've been born again out of uh, not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God for all flesh is like grass and all and all its glory like the flower of the grass the grass withers and the flower falls but the word of the Lord remains forever and this word is the good news that was preached to you. It's God's Word. So back to my illustration about, you know, Scotty beaming, beaming us up. In, in verse 1, Peter says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion 
And then he lists off these various towns where this letter was read to these uh, first uh, followers of, of, of Christ. And he calls them elect exiles. And that really, as I was preparing, really captured me, became sort of my first pen, first point this morning. Elect exiles are temporary residents here on this earth. We're, we're temporary residents. If you, um, I have a little survey. How many of you grew up here in, in the Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia area? Raise your hands. Oh, there's a couple of you, not too many, but most of you um, are, are imports. I, I'm a local. Uh, my wife, she's an import from Ohio. Sorry about Ohio State last night, by the way. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, if you've lived here your whole life, in some ways you, it'll t- take a little more work to get your, your, your head and heart ar- around this idea of, a, of being an exile but if, you're, if you've moved here from somewhere else, you, many of you just got back maybe this week from visiting family you know, for the holidays. And so you live here in, in northern Virginia um, or wherever you live, but then you, you go home to this other, other place. I think for all of us, maybe uh, we can relate to this uh, illustration. You know, for, for our family, one of our annual pilgrimages is uh, to the Outer Banks. We, we love to try and find a way, save up enough money to uh, rent a house down in North Carolina. On, uh, at the, uh, uh, we like to go up uh, to Corolla, um, to um, uh, near Nags Head, if you're familiar with that area. We just love to go to the beach. And that, that, that weekly uh, time, my, sis, my younger sister, she's even more of a beach bum than I am, um, she calls it her happy place. You know, there's this place that you love uh, to go to. And Peter is writing and telling these Christians that though you have your physical home in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, you're now, because of your faith in Christ, you've been displaced, albeit temporarily, um, so to speak, as a Christian, you're, you're a temporary resident in, in uh, where, wherever your address is in this town. And, and no doubt Peter was, uh, had in mind and heard the Lord Jesus say to them, look, it's good for you. In John 14, he says, it's good for you that I go, to, go away because I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And, and that's this new reality for us as Christians. We've been... Exiled, we've been in a sense displaced, or, or as, as he writes here, you're it's, it's really interesting if you think about it. He's writing to these people who are residents of this town. He says, You're now in exile, you've, you've been dispersed, you're you've uh, you've been set out, so you're you're there, but you've you've got this new place, this new happy place for you that I really want to impress upon you because it's going to help you. And it really is foundational for uh, us as Christians to realize that we're no longer home. Even though we have an address here in Fairfax or Annandale or wherever, the new reality for us as Christians is that we're ex- exiles. And it's, it's really not our doing, it's God's doing. Because he says here in verse 1, uh, uh, sorry, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. 
See, this was God's doing when He uh, rescued you and reconciled you to Himself. He's the one who's made you an exiled and placed you uh, with a new status as a temporary resident. My wife, as I mentioned, my wife and I were missionaries for um, seven years in the Middle East. We lived uh, five years in Israel and two years in Lebanon. And living in a foreign country, it really was helpful waking up every morning realizing I'm here on a, on a mission and, um, and I have a, a, a purpose that's bigger than my, my, my current address. We weren't forced out of... Um, um, uh, you know, uh, our homes. God has caused us to be born again with a hope for a new and a better home. He says we, we have this home in heaven. Um, I was thinking, you know, uh, other places in my Bible where the Apostle John, he's writing to the, for, again, first century Christians, probably nearby here, maybe some of even these churches, I don't remember now, but he says, you're in the world, but you're not of it. You're in the world, but you're not of it. And that's really a, you know, a transition that uh, every Christian needs to make as they become a follower of Christ. They, they realize, you know, I'm here, but I've got this home away from home now that I'm, I'm, I'm headed towards. And, uh, and I loved... Um, the reading that the brother read from Revelation chapter 21, he says, you know, I have this new home that's uh, uh, been prepared for me by Christ. And we as Christians are living and longing for that day. In chapter 2, 1 Peter, Peter writes to them at one point, he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as pilgrims and strangers. You know, do you live your life here in Fairfax? As a church, are you, do you have this missionary mindset where I'm just a pilgrim here? I'm just passing through here and I'm not putting my roots down here because I've got this place where I'm looking forward to, to going and to, to being. Um, we've been called out of this world and called into um, a relationship with Jesus. Ultimately, it's not really... You know, as, as he read, you know, it said God uh, in, in uh, Revelation 21. I, I love that. It was like, man, I should have included that into my message. Says, you know, he says, God is with them. It's not, it's not so much this place that we're going to. It's who that we're going to be with. Jesus is, is in a sense, our, gonna, if I can say this uh, crassly, Jesus is our new home. We're going to go and to be with Jesus. I have a good friend of mine. Um, older lady in her 80s and um, on I believe it was on Tuesday of this week she got a phone call at noontime that her younger sister had passed away and she got a phone call a few hours later that another of her sisters uh, had passed away and so I you know I called her up and Flo and said you know how, how are you doing she says well, I'm, I'm doing fine. I mean, I'm a little shocked. I mean, two sisters, you know, in one day, that's a, that's a lot. I just can't imagine. I've lost a, a sister, and that was hard enough, but to lose two of my siblings in one day is a real, real, you know, punch in the gut. But she said, 
uh, my one sister, I was really confident about her faith in Christ, but I didn't really know about my other sister that had passed away. I was really concerned. But she said, my niece called me up and she said, Auntie Flo, I spoke you know, with your sister and shared about Christ with her. And she clearly put her faith in Christ. And so she's home with Jesus now. And what a great comfort that is to know that th- this life is not all that there is. That there's this new happy place with Jesus where we're going to take up residence with. I was thinking this week and preparing about John 15, verse 5, and this really hit home, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And I thought about this word abiding. You hear in that word abide, the word abode? That's this home that we've now taken up residence with Jesus. We're, uh, we're abiding with Him and uh, communing with Him and living with Him by faith in this life until that day when we get to throw faith away and see Him face to face as my friends Flo's two sisters went home with Christ uh, this week, to be with Christ this week. At the end of our exile here on earth, walking by faith will no longer be necessary. And let's turn back to to verse 3 in 1 Peter because he's really kind of going to help us to see that uh, um, there's this day set forward in the future when we'll no longer have to walk by faith. But in the meantime, he says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to His great mercy, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And look at what's out ahead for us. An inheritance that's imperishable. An inheritance that's undefiled. An inheritance that's unfading. And where is that inheritance? Not here on this earth. This, there's this inheritance that's kept in heaven for you. And guess who's guarding your inheritance? Fortunately, we're not, have to, we're not the keepers of this inheritance. God is. An inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded. Isn't that a great comfort to know that whatever's out there, because we, we can only imagine and, and, and think about it from our Bibles by faith. But on that day, we know we're going to get it because it's being guarded by God and His power through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed at the last time. And I just find so much comfort to know that whatever heaven's going to be like, whatever it's going to be like on that day when I get to see the Lord face to faith, I know that it's sure and I can have confidence because God's the one who's guarding my inheritance that's imperishable, that it's undefiled and it's unfading and it's in heaven. It's in my happy place out there in the future. We have this place. We have have someone who's so much better than what this world has to offer. These first Christians 
as we're going to read about, you know, here in a second, they were experiencing significant persecution. They were uh, not accepted. So they'd come to faith in Christ. They're now these elect exiles. But trouble uh, was coming their way. And there, no doubt some of them were being tempted to shrink back from the Lord. And maybe some that sadly, and uh, you've probably seen this, seen Christians who turn away from the Lord and return to their former way of life. Peter's directing them beyond their trials to what them, will help them to patiently endure and to finish their race uh, well. I know that in a room this size, I can safely say trouble's coming to some of you in 2017. Happy New Year, but I got some bad news. Some of you are going to attend funerals this year. Some of you are going to lose your job. Some of you are going to break a leg. You know, you're going to experience rejection from a loved one. I used to come home, Naomi, my daughter Naomi over here will remember, I'd come home, I'd say, guess what? At dinner table, I'd say, guys, uh, somebody's going to die. And they're like, dad, who? You know, I said, I don't know. But I know and have lived long enough now and start, you know, older guys start going to funerals and, um, that trials are going to come, not just to these folks, but trials are going to come to folks here in this room. And living as an elect exile, realizing that this home, this uh, home that we live in, this place that we live in, is just, uh, we're just temporary residents so that we don't get too comfortable and we don't put our hope in this life, knowing that this isn't our ultimate destination and it's hard. And we'll read here in verses 6 through 9 right now that um, trials that come, they're, they're tests of our faith. Read with me in verse 6. He says, in this, and this is kind of otherworldly. If you go to work tomorrow, you go to uh, talk to your neighbor this afternoon who's going through a trial, and you tell them, count it all joy when you have a trial. That's like, that doesn't really compute unless you're a Christian. But, but Peter writes to these guys who are experiencing trials, who are experiencing persecution for their faith in Christ. And he says in verse 6, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, as was necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Why? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result to praise and glory and honor at the happy place, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Walking by faith is not easy. You know, uh, trusting in a God that you can't see is, doesn't make any sense to the unbelievers that we have in our neighborhoods and at school and at, at work and family members. But we as Christians, in verse 8, though you've not seen Him, you, you love Him. Though you do not see Him, you believe in Him. And there it is again. You rejoice with joy that it's inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtain the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Friends, God has grace stored up for you for every trial that may come to you 
in 2017. Some of you experience prosperity, but don't put your hope in your prosperity. Put your hope in Jesus. He's got grace for you. Whatever lays ahead for us in this coming year, whether it's trials, remember that you have a living hope because of Christ's death-defeating resurrection. And if that's true, then no matter what comes, we, can, we have confidence about our, our future because our future is really bright because Christ is in it. And He's placed us here as temporary residents longing for this place that lays ahead for us where we'll get to see Him face to face. And so when your faith is tested this year, remember and maybe even underline in your, on your phone or in your Bibles and go back here. Though you do not, you've not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him, Maybe in your trial, like, like I was uh, last year, not able to see Christ. You believe in Him and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory because at the outcome of your faith, you're going to experience this salvation of your soul. So as temporary residents, we wait and we live for and long for and hope for our heavenly home. But my second point is, you know, how then should we live our lives? And that takes us to verse 13, where Peter writes to these Christians and he addresses us this morning um, by the Holy Spirit. He says, therefore, and that's always an important word in your Bible, therefore, there's, there's a point here in light of what we just read about, that as elect exiles, therefore, prepare your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you. And there it is again at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but He's called you as holy. You also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call him his father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, how should we live our lives? Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. There it is again. We're, we're exiled Christians, temporary residents here on earth, but we conduct, conduct ourselves with uh, a holy reverence and awe uh, I was thinking, what does it mean to conduct yourselves with fear? It means to just live a God-centered life. It means to have God at the center of your life and all that goes on, knowing that He's uh, placed you here in this exiled, temporary, resident condition, and He's put us on a, a mission um, to take, really, to, to live holy lives. Exiled, uh, elect exiles take action to live holy lives. And he, I just I jotted down for for our encouragement and for our instruction, our edification, five things that to, to just take away from this passage. In verse twelve, he says, "Sober-minded." And he says this a couple times throughout the, um, this letter to these Christians to be sober-minded, to be sober in, in spirit. Just simply means when you in all the decisions and choices that, that that you make in this next year, let that let this. Uh, 
what we read about in verses 1 through 12, let that influence uh, this new reality and, and, and determine and give you wisdom about how you spend your time and how you spend your money and how you use your talents. That you use everything that God has given to you to uh, expend them for Jesus' priorities because you're no longer living for yourself but living for Him. And you're getting ready for that day when He comes for us or we get to go with be with Him as He says here numerous times at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter s- says in, in chapter 4, the end of all things is at hand. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. We are living with this reality that we're, we're, we're waiting for this day that's uh, out in our future and that will help us to think rightly and clearly about Jesus and lead us um, to holy living. Second point in verse 14, he says, don't be conformed to the, to the old way of living, to those old passions. Don't drift back to the old way that's natural in some ways. You know, there's such a, I mean, just think about, um, and maybe sadly you may have some Christian friends. I mean, everybody plans uh, all year long for New Year's Eve to do what? To get drunk, right? I mean, the world just like, they're, everybody's out buying booze or whatever they're, you know, uh, they're, whatever they're going to take in. And that's that old uh, way, way of thinking, you know. We, uh, we don't want to live that way anymore. We, wanna, we don't want to be conformed to the old way. I lived for several years where I was either on alcohol or drugs or both. Uh, nonstop um, from from about sixteen to twenty one i i don 't there were very few days when I was ever not you know take drinking or smoking or taking something to um, you know just uh, medicate myself from what i don 't know I was lost but that 's what peter 's saying don 't go back to whatever you were like before you knew. And we're enjoying Jesus. Don't drift back to that old uh, natural way. Um, You know, and just to put in a plug, that's why it's so important to come here every Sunday and to prepare your hearts for Justin and the other folks that are preaching here so that you can get your your heart and your mind transformed and get ready for this, uh, the week that's uh, ahead. The, the preaching of God's Word is so important because it really can, as he says in verse 13, to, to prepare your minds for action. We have, we, we're in a battle, folks, and the world out there isn't calling us uh, uh, to, uh, you know, encouraging us in the way that we're living our lives. They'd, li- they'd like, the world would like for us to conform, but we're called to uh, no longer be, a, uh, you know, we're called to nonconformance. Um, uh, third point of action, verses 15 and 16, he says to be holy. And this is always this, this holy conundrum because, you know, God is holy and we're not. You know, uh, Romans, Paul, Paul writes to the Romans and he says, you know, there's no one righteous. There's not, not one. And I don't think I e- will ever get comfortable in saying, you know, 
I, I, I'm called to be holy. I, it's just like when I think about who God is and what, I've, what I'm like and how sinful I'm, I, I so often am. And I love the time of confession that you have here each week to remind ourselves, yes, we are sinful. But we can grow. And, and that's what, what, what the Bible calls sanctification. We can, can no longer be conformed to this world and we can grow in holiness on our, our journey um, to heaven. You know, being holy means just be who you are as a Christian now. Read, you know, I mentioned earlier about John 15. If you abide in the vine, if you abide in Christ and he's abiding in you, you can bear much fruit and you can grow in holiness. So much to say. That's a sermon series for later this year, Justin, about holiness, creating more work for you. But uh, uh, the fourth thing, he says in verse 17, to conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. And again, that's just a, a, a way of saying, as you live as an elect exile here in Fairfax or Annandale or Springfield, wherever you live, live with, with God in view. Live a God-centered Christ-centered, spirit-empowered life. Um, And don't settle for less. Conduct yourself with fear. Conduct yourself with an awareness that God sees and knows everything that's going on in your life. And He has grace abounding for you to help you on your journey um, in 2017. In verse 22, he says, uh, our fifth action uh, point he says to love one another earnestly with a pure heart, having purified your souls by your obedience t- to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. I mean, in light of what Christ has done for us in loving us and saving us and accepting us and drawing us uh, to himself. I mean, of course, this makes sense. But the problem is, so I was just saying a few minutes ago, we're still sinful sometimes. So we need to be reminded that we, c- we have to grow in loving, not the easy people to love, it's the difficult ones. Maybe the person sitting next to you or maybe that person that's in your uh, community group that, that talks all the time. Like, but they just let someone else share. That's who Peter's writing about, right? He's, he's writing about that person that you find uh, not easy to love. It's the difficult ones. And so he says, listen, you're, you've been purified. Your souls have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. You, your souls have been purified by your obedience to the truth, by your obedience and your faith that you've put in Christ. And to that end, take action. Prepare your minds for action to love those that he's placed in your life uh, with a brotherly love. Um, And do it earnestly from a pure heart. In other words, your love has to be genuine, right? You can't just, you know, tell people that you love them but not really mean it. You can't really just say, you know, when someone comes and asks you, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. But you're, you know, that's not loving to, if you're, if you're just broken inside and someone says, how are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. 
That's, that, that, that's, not, that's not helpful because God has so much grace stored up in this community so that you can together as His, um, his chosen elect exiles, you can put into practice in this coming year this, um, this, uh, this holy community that's just characterized not 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 sinless perfection but but a community that's really characterized but what we read here loving one another earnestly from from a pure heart we're we're called out of this world but we're still in this world we're living as elect exiles we're living as temporary residents but God's called us to prepare, starting first and foremost, to think differently about uh, the world that's around us, the, our addresses, and, and where we're going. We're called, as he says here in verse 13, to take action. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. As we start our new year, let's get ready to take action in 2016, to not, no longer be conformed to this world, to be holy, to conduct ourselves um, in, in a manner that's, uh, uh, that's, that's God-centered and it's Christ-exalting and looking for the help that God has stored up for us by His grace through the people that He's placed around us so that ultimately we can be a community that loves one another with a pure heart. And my final point is really, um, as elect exiles, we're, we're called to, to preach the gospel. You know, I finished up in point, uh, my fifth one. You know, it speaks about love. And if you go to verse 25, Peter says at the end of this section of this first chapter, he says, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. The most loving thing that we can do is, is to share the good news not only with the believers that God's placed in your life, but with those that He's placed in your path at work, school, neighborhood, wherever, whatever your season in life is. We, we preach the gospel to, to others because someone preached the gospel to you. We let them know first and foremost. You know, just I thought, let me just keep it real practical. So you've got this coworker, you've got this classmate, you've got this next door neighbor, and you've never told them that you're a Christian. It may sound elementary, but the first thing that you need to let them do is find some way to get Jesus Christ, to get Christianity, to get the Bible, to get a spiritual conversation going, so that ultimately you can let them know, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian. Um, I heard a, heard a guy say one time that uh, he, he likes, uh, the way he got the conversation going was on Mondays, and this is a plug for Justin's preaching again, is on Mondays at the, at the grocery store and he's standing in line at the checkout. He says, how was the sermon for you yesterday at church? I thought, that's really good. And I've tried that a few times. It's, it's interesting. You know, you've got to uh, arrange your reactions. The people that God's placed in your life that don't know you're a Christian, if you're like... I don't even know how to talk to Bill about this. I don't even know how to start because he's, you know, I don't know about Bill. Pray for them. Ask God 
to open up their hearts and minds to you know, open up a, a, a way where you can get the conversation. Pray for them privately, but pray for them publicly. I have a, a, a non-Christian friend that I've known for years, and the other day he was just really at, at, at his wit's end about his, the difficult circumstances. And, and so I said, well, his name is Angelo. And I, and I said, Angelo, could I just pray for you? And he's like, not used to people praying for him on the phone. And he's like, well, yeah, sure. Well, when, when I hung up, uh, when I finished praying for him, he was just sobbing. He said, David, I've never had anybody pray for me like that. I've never had anybody pray for me like that. And I'll be, you know, having lunch again with him soon and, uh, you know, continuing that conversation. But I wanted to tell you about Bill, my air conditioning guy. For about the last 10 years, I've have the same guy named Bill who comes and fixes my AC when it goes off when it's 102 in July. He's like my, he's, I, I, I tell him, you're my air conditioning pastor, you know. And so I've had many spiritual conversations with Bill. And we've become friends, and we have meals sometimes after he does the service on AC. Hey, well, let's go have lunch. And uh, I was so encouraged when my heat wouldn't work a couple weeks ago. I called Bill up and said, ain't got no heat, and it's cold out. And so Bill comes over, and he's finishing up fixing the heater. And then he says, hey, Dave, by the way, I wanted to tell you, I started going to church. He lives down in Woodbridge. And um, I'm so excited. Uh, next, I, th- I don't think it's this week. I think it's the week after next. We're going to get together for lunch and find out what God's been doing in his life. And uh, th- you've got bills in your life that need to first and foremost, they need to know about your faith in Christ and how you're living your life and how you're living as an exile, elect exile. I think the, maybe two of the verses that help me so much when it comes to sharing Christ with those who don't know Him are two of the, uh, one of the most familiar verses in the Bible. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And I love John 3.16. God loves the world, doesn't He? He gave His only Son. But the the... And, and that's good news for, for me to know that I'm loved by God. But the folks who don't have Christ in their life currently that are in your life, John 3, verse 18, is, is, really compels me and helps me to think about their condition because Jesus says in John three eighteen, whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. Your unbelieving friends are condemned they're in serious trouble, but they, you know, of course, like my friend Bill, he didn't know it. But I've been able to get the conversation going over time and to be able to share John 3.16 with him. And uh, I prayed so much for him and so excited when we were standing outside and flipped the switch and the air conditioning came back on and he's putting his tools back in his bag and he said, oh, by the way, I've been going to church, and I'm like, wow, evangelism does work, doesn't it? But it's not our work, it's God's work, right? But we just get to be faithful and loving these friends and, 
and finding out what's going on lives and finding out about what their trials are and then telling them how Christ can make such a difference in their life. They'll turn to him with repentance and faith. For God so loved the, the elect exiles like us that he gave his only son so that we as elect exiles can take action and share this good news. I thought we would close with verses 18 and 19. Where Peter writes, Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. What was the price that got, got us this great inheritance, this great salvation? Verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without blemish, or spot. We're elect exiles. We're living as pilgrims and strangers here in Fairfax. But we are people who came into this building uh, bought with a price. The price of God's own beloved Son, Jesus Christ. The precious blood of Christ. You were ransomed from your former way of life not with anything perishable, such as silver or gold, which will pass away. But, but the precious blood of Christ is uh, the price that got us to this place where we can live as elect exiles. May God help us in 2017 to, first and foremost, to glorify God and to enjoy Him more and more. And may God help us in 2017 to be ambassadors of this glorious gospel and take this good news that was preached to us and go preach it to others. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the new bright year that's ahead of us. Lord, through many dangers, toils, and snares, they, they may come our way this 2017, but we thank you that Jesus Christ, you are in our future in 2017. January through December of this year, Lord, we have you. For you have ransomed us with a great price. And we have an inheritance that's imperishable, that's undefiled, that's unfading, that's kept in heaven for each one of us who know you. And we're... So grateful that on that day when Christ is revealed to us, either here on this or when we go there, Lord, we're so grateful that we'll get to be with you forever. That our faith tested here on this earth, Lord, it will be uh, revealed on that day to have been worth it all because you've loved us and brought us into a relationship with yourself. And we're so such a grateful people. We thank you and praise you for a sojourn church and the bright future for this uh, uh, group of imperfect people, Lord, who you have placed together and called them to be elect exiles in Fairfax, in Annandale, in Springfield, and beyond to the uttermost parts of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.